welcome to the Innovation Forum podcast for Friday 25th of June with me, Ian Welsh. I spoke recently with Eunice Orduro from CARE and Samuel Apana from Cargill about their collaboration in the cocoa sector in West Africa to provide long-term solutions to poverty and to help secure the sector's long-term future by building farm resilience and empowering rural communities. Our conversation is coming up shortly, but first, some sustainable business news. US retailer Target is the latest to outline stretching goals that include commitment to reach net zero emissions and eliminating waste. The company has updated its previous science-based target that would cut emissions and waste in line with the Paris Climate Agreement's two Celsius trajectory. Target is now a signatory to business ambition for 1.5 Celsius, which requires significant reductions of emissions by 2030 and net zero no later than 2050. Target's new commitments include halving scope 1 and 2 emissions by 2030 against a 2017 baseline. 60% of electricity consumption is to come from renewables by 2025, up to 100% by 2030. Currently, it's around 50% from renewable sources. For the trickier scope 3 supply chain emissions, Target aims to cut these 30% by 2030. In addition, the company says it will become a zero-waste-to-landfill business and design all products and packaging to be part of a circular economy. In terms of plastic use, Target has a 2025 commitment for a 20% reduction in the total amount of virgin plastic in own brand packaging. The journal Nature Communications reports that researchers at the University of Cambridge have developed a new polymer film that mimics spider silk and is as strong as many plastics currently in use, meaning it could replace the plastic in many products. The film is made from a soy protein using new techniques that creates silk-like polymers and can be scaled to an industrial level. Unlike many bioplastics that require industrial composting facilities to degrade, the new material is home compostable. The discovery of the material spun out of research into human diseases which cause changes in the way proteins interact, such as Alzheimer's. The team had become interested in the way spider silk is very strong despite having weak molecular bonds and linked this to the way proteins, including plant proteins, can self-assemble in a way that gives material strength. The International Monetary Fund has proposed that high-emitting companies should be subject to a globally agreed carbon floor price to help reach the Paris Agreement climate goals. The IMF says that a price of $75 a tonne is necessary by 2030 to enable the planet staying within a 1.5 Celsius warming trajectory. The fund is lobbying the G20 countries to adopt a carbon floor price as the most efficient way to net zero emissions. Adoption by the G20 could impact the carbon border taxes some, including the EU, UK and US, are considering. These carbon border adjustment mechanisms are designed to prevent domestic industries that are actively reducing emissions because of tight legislation being undercut by imports from countries with less rigorous regulation, China being the biggest concern. Lego plastic bricks were and are a staple of many childhoods, but the company had been facing a growing clamour to tighten up on sustainability, particularly following its December 2020 pledge to make its products from sustainable materials. Lego has just unveiled the first bricks made from recycled plastic using PET from waste bottles. The company says it has a team of 150 working to find more sustainable products, testing over 250 variations from PET and other plastics. The new prototype bricks are being tested and Lego hopes to be able to move to a pilot production phase. This process will, the company says, last at least a year. The Innovation Forum team is working on our Autumn Conference programme. Recently launched is the new Future of Plastics event on the 13th and 14th of October. We'll have two days of frank and open debate with leading brands about how to reach stretching targets. Panellists from Unilever, Iceland, Coca-Cola European Partners, The Body Shop and Ecover are among the experts already confirmed. 
If you're quick and register by 25th of June, you can save £300 on conference passes. On 28th and 29th September is the Future of Climate Action US event, focusing on how to tackle greenhouse gases and supply chains. Already signed up, as speakers and panellists are senior representatives from Kellogg, Alaska Airlines, ABNBev, PepsiCo, Oxfam America and more. And save the date for Innovation Forum's flagship Sustainable Landscapes and Commodities Conference, which will be held this year from 30th of November to 2nd December. Full details will be released shortly, but you can save £300 in conference passes if you register now pre-launch. Regular listeners will know that I've been recording a series of interviews with the team at Cargill. Recently I spoke with Yunus Odoru, Project Manager at CARE in Ghana, and Samuel Apana, Cargill's Cocoa Sustainability Lead in Ghana, about the remarkable long-term collaboration between the two organisations. Let me turn to you first, Eunice. Cargill and CARE have been working together in Ghana for well over a decade. So from your perspective at CARE, why was the collaboration instigated and what have been the main achievements? CARE and Cargill has been working over the decade, as you said, and through this partnership, we have made tangible positive difference for the Ghanaian and Ivorian cocoa communities in a number of critical areas, leading to well-governed communities, child labour prevention, women's empowerment and supporting food and nutrition security. Also, our work in West Africa uh, focuses on establishing more prosperous, sustainable and resilient cocoa farming communities through a community development approach, which engages communities throughout the entire process. And since 2008, nine programs have been implemented in the West African region to address critical challenges faced by cocoa farming communities which includes cocoa production, addressing harmful child labor practices, promoting women's economic empowerment, access to financial services, nutrition, and child education. Also to date, these cocoa programs have been able to reach a lot of people. Around 236,589 people have been reached. Out of these, we have 64% that are women that is 111,167. So the collaboration has brought enormous benefits. So far, we have achieved a lot over the period. Samuel, same question to you. From Cargill's perspective, why was the collaboration instigated and what have been the main achievements thus far? In Cargill's cocoa business, we've been collaborating with CARE in Ghana since 2008 and in Côte d'Ivoire since 2010 to combat many challenges facing the cocoa sector. Cargill is part of an important network in, in West Africa, a network of people focused on people and dedicated to improving well-being every day on the ground in cocoa-growing communities. Together, we are tackling the tough, intertwined systemic conditions that stand in the way of the success of our farmers. Through our Cargill Cocoa Promise, which is our global sustainability strategy, Cargill is currently working with over 132,000 smallholder cocoa farmers in both Ghana and Côte d'Ivoire. But between 2008 and 2013, Cargill's agricultural trading package combined with greater access to extension services and strong market linkage led to a 29% increase in average farmer income among project uh, farmer beneficiaries. We have employed market systems analysis as a guiding approach to our program, our program design, ensuring that interventions are addressing systemic constraints. 
that inhibit markets. Through this approach between Cargill and Care, we have been able to transform the lives of thousands of smallholder cocoa farmers in our cocoa growing communities. We are also working with farmers to ensure that they have access to productive resources, skills, knowledge, they need to improve and shape their lives. That partnership strives not only increase access to market, but to unlock greater production, expand profits on small-scale agriculture, and increase food productivity and security. So I must say that the collaboration between the two companies has been very awesome and very beneficial, not only to us, but to the cocoa growing communities as well. You've covered some of this already, but perhaps you can give us some more specific examples of how CARE has helped Cargill deliver on its Cocoa Promise commitments. Our Cargill Cocoa Promise is our commitment to farmers and the community that enables them to achieve better incomes and living standards while growing cocoa sustainably. Our ambition is to accelerate progress towards a transparent global cocoa supply chain to enable cocoa farmers and their communities to strengthen their socioeconomic resilience and to deliver a sustainable supply of cocoa and chocolate products from bean to the end product. The Cocoa Promise was established as a formal, future-looking and action-oriented framework for global sustainability activities, building on 10 years of experience in the field with farmers and farmer organizations. One of the critical ways that we are delivering on the Cocoa Promise is through partnerships. And we are really proud to have worked with CARE for such a significant period of time. Our work with CARE has become a cornerstone program within the cocoa and chocolate community wellbeing strategic action plan. Eunice, perhaps I can put a similar question to you. For CARE, how has Cargill helped you deliver on your priorities and goals? For CARE, we recognise that we cannot significantly reduce poverty and resolve critical community challenges on our own. Given the scale, scope, and complexity of the economic and social transformation required globally, an ambitious goal to improve the food and nutrition security of 50 million people, we must work with and leverage on the knowledge, expertise, and resources of many types of partners, including those in the private sector. And this type of multi-sector partnership is key to ensuring the scale and sustained impact needed around the world of which we see Cargill as a key partner within the cocoa sector. Now, each sector also has a valuable role to play in addressing inequality and poverty. And only through this collaboration can we truly achieve meaningful change. And our partner as Cargill provides the needed financial resources, industry, market, and the agricultural expertise and network that has enabled care to deliver transformational programming in these agricultural and cocoa growing communities. We also leverage on each other skills and areas of expertise to improve the quality, the skill and the efficiency of our programming. Over the years, we've made a real impact through their support. And also we have seen farmers income triple and cocoa yields increase by some 25% also. And we've observed farmers' access to financial services increase through this partnership in delivering our goals. And we have also been able to establish some 376 village savings and loans associations that have enabled people to save over $300,000 to date. 
The partnership has also improved the food security of these farmers, ensuring that they have enough quality food to feed their families. We've also witnessed food stocks decrease by 65%, and the consumption of fruits and vegetables have also increased among these farmers. Lastly, we have also enabled communities to lead their own development through an inclusive and people-centered approach. And communities identify their unique needs and formulate solutions to address critical challenges they face. We are saying that communities supported by this partnership have been able to also create their own community action plans to spearhead local development initiatives that move around education, health, sanitation, and hygiene. So in all, we see that Cargo has really helped care to deliver on our priorities and goals. I guess the flip side is also that there are bound to be challenges when organisations collaborate. So Eunice, can you tell me what have been the main challenges around finding the best ways to collaborate and work together? We realise that global agriculture and global development are connected and CARES work on some of the world's most pressing issues around the low agricultural productivity, poor nutritional status, lack of access to formal markets, and also there's limited economic opportunities for these farmers. And this challenge at times has been how to best respond, how we can make sure we are bringing meaningful, scalable change to these communities. So far, what has made a huge difference in addressing this challenge is the benefit of the longevity of our partnership that has enabled us to try new things and learn from each phase. And most importantly, we have been able to shape how we work with Cargill amidst the challenges by way of our long-term engagement with the communities we work with across the world. Though there are some challenges within the sector, There's not been a very major challenge with our work with Cargill, but based on the challenges within the cocoa sector, through our long-term engagement, we have been able to work together as partners to achieve our various goals we have for these people through the shared commitments that we have. So Samuel, let me put the same question to you. What have the challenges been from Cargill's perspective around finding the best ways to collaborate and work together with CARE? So just adding up to where Eunice left off, having shared commitment around an ambitious goal like reducing poverty that is connected to the core priorities of each partner has also been very essential. This can require a, a deeper understanding between partners and take time to establish, but ultimately enables partners to leverage their respective expertise and capabilities while building mutual respect for what each partner brings um, to the table. Care and Cargill have invested the time to build a nature partnership that is rooted on trust, that goes beyond the partnership team. It is also important for me to mention that to have a shared understanding of the socioeconomic context and root causes of the challenges have been addressed. This allows for flexibility and adaptability regarding the pathway to getting there. It enables us to have an agile approach, openness to failure, and working together to course correct when needed. Being flexible has been especially important during the pandemic, which created significant barriers for farmers as well as programs implemented. So I must say that, and just adding on to Eunice, the trust, the long-term working relationship, the openness has been made very, very 
possible for us to surmount some of the challenges that mitigate against our program implementation. It occurs to me that really there's a number of recurring challenges for the cocoa sector that have been around for the past few years, many of these relating to farm incomes. Samuel, what have you been doing to address these farm income challenges and ultimately ensure continuity of cocoa supply? In Kagi, we believe that the best way for cocoa farmers and their communities to thrive while safeguarding the future of cocoa is to improve the well-being of farmer households. Farmers and their families must be able to secure a stable and profitable income and seeing growing cocoa as a positive and essential contributor to earning a living income, alongside growing other crops or pursuing alternative income generating activities on and off their farms. Cocoa farming households often cannot rely solely on cocoa to achieve a living income. However, it remains the most attractive crop option that is available to them. As part of our Kagi Cocoa Promise, and in line with the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, Kagi Cocoa and Chocolate strives to help smallholder farmers from whom we source our cocoa from to become resilient to socioeconomic fluctuations, thrive as small businesses, and increase their profitability. This is essential to secure a sustainable livelihood for cocoa growing households, and as well, the future of our own business and the cocoa sector as a whole. As a key player in the cocoa supply chain, linking farmers and cooperatives to wider network, market network, Cargill engages around multiple interrelated factors that play a role in improving farmer livelihoods. Given the importance of overall household welfare in contributing to a living income, Many of our programs on the ground are focused on this, from professionalizing farming cooperatives and providing farmers with training to improve their crop yields, to ensuring that both men and women have access to finance, as well as diverse range of income streams. The goal is not to artificially boost incomes, but rather to empower farmers and their communities as a whole to make well-informed decisions that can improve livelihoods and well-being in the long term. Eunice, I wonder if I could put a, a related challenge to you. I mean, Cocoa faces a problem with an aging population, an aging generation of producers, and a lack of willingness of younger generations to take over. A lot of this related to farm income, of course. What are the most effective ways to tackle this aging generation problem? To address this aging generation of producers in Ghana and also within the cocoa sector, it is vital that farmers can see growing cocoa potentially along with other crops as a positive and essential contributor to earning a living income. And this is essential for securing the sustainable future of the sector as a whole, especially at a time when the average age of the cocoa farmers are on the rise, but global demand for cocoa is still increasing. We believe that the best way to achieve this goal is to approach living income as a household concept, taking into account the various factors that can contribute to a farming family's overall income. And to combat this challenge, Care and Cargill collaborated over the last decade to improve agricultural production, increase household income, empower women, connect farmers to markets as well, and also improve nutrition and the household well-being and also foster well-governed communities through an inclusive approach that is driven by and for these communities. 
this is the approach we want to use. I'm looking at the living income and how we can support these communities in an inclusive approach. Samuel, how do you measure return on investment for your collaboration with CARE? The partnership between Cargill and CARE uses a standard set of metrics that is linked to the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, CARE Global Indicators, and Cargill Cuckoo Promise Metrics. Rather than reinventing metrics for each project, CARE and Cargill use these data to inform program management, course correct when needed, and ensure the highest level of quality and reach of our cocoa intervention. So basically, we use these existing metrics to measure our return on investment. Same, same to you, Eunice. For CARE, how do you measure your return on investment here? So for CARE, we're also developing and testing new impact measuring systems to provide real-time data, help inform program innovation, and also improve the quality and skill of our cocoa programs including the use of dashboards that can deliver greater visibility to key program performance metrics. CARE is also transitioning more to electronic data collection to be able to facilitate real-time data use and also for adaptive management. So that's what we are doing to be able to measure the returns on investments that we have made. I'm interested to hear from you what you'd recommend for other companies and organizations considering embarking on collaboration as you guys have. So Samuel, what what actions would you recommend for other companies embarking on such collaboration? For the success of collaborations of this nature, there is a need for the building of trust between the various collaborators in the program to develop that high level of trust in terms of programming, in terms of measurement and in terms of communication. We also think that there is also the need for the respect for each other, each other's strength, each other's weaknesses, and each other's expertise in terms of moving the program to the level that one will want to see. Last but not the least, there's also important for effective uh, communication between partners. Communication is really very key, and that helps both partners to be able to identify where the gaps are, where to change course, and how to measure progress as the programs uh, go on. So. Key importance, trust, communication, and respect for each other are very key. And Eunice, would you recommend uh, similar actions for collaboration? I would also say that for long-lasting change in the cocoa sector, we need to have strong collaborations and coordination among stakeholders. And also, we realize that multi-stakeholder engagement and coordination across existing initiatives can support in avoiding duplication of efforts while also pulling resources for more significant impacts. And also for collaboration of this nature, there need to be a shared commitment around a common goal for the partners, which is connected to key priorities of each partner involved. And it's also important for the partners to have shared understanding of their socioeconomic context and root causes of the challenges being addressed. This will allow for flexibility and the ability to adapt regarding the pathway to get to the success they want to achieve together. Having that shared commitment and also a shared understanding between the partners would go a long way to help the partners have a great collaboration. 
Just in closing then, I'm wondering, and just tying this all together, so what are the key lessons learned for both Cargill and CARE through working together that will ensure a long-term future for the collaboration and also for the cocoa sector in, in Ghana and Côte d'Ivoire? Samuel. Working together in partnership over so many years offers many lessons to learn. But I would say what's been particularly vital is ensuring we remain focused on the areas where we can make a real and lasting difference and where each partner can really bring our unique strengths together to create this sustainable change. We are also looking at new ways to apply our lessons learned, including how we can innovate new approaches. The Kagoko promise is continuously looking at ways that embedding technologies can help farmers and communities, including the use of mobile and other applications that can help provide more tailored support, information, and training to our farmers. And Eunice then, for you, what are the key lessons learned through the collaboration that will ensure a long-term future for the collaboration and also for the cocoa sector? Over the course of more than a decade of partnership, Kay and Cargill's focus on sustainable long-term change and development has sharpened and activities have and should continue to become more integrated over time using approaches that empower women and vulnerable groups for sustained community-led development. And programs are also intentionally linking nutrition, food security, agricultural productivity, income, education, market linkages, and women's voice to be able to provide durable solutions to the complex circumstances surrounding poverty in Côte d'Ivoire, Ghana, and also around the world. We want to continue to build our programs that build on learning and ensure we design programs with thoughtful sustainability, continuance, and also with exit plans in place. So these are some key lessons we have learned through CARE and CAGO working together to ensure a long-term future for the cocoa sector. Thank you to you both. It's been a fascinating discussion and thanks so much for all the detail and insight into why the collaboration between Cargill and CARE has been a success and indeed how you've approached the various challenges. Listeners, do check out the report that was released earlier this year, Decade of Improvements in the Cocoa Communities report. Really worth a read and it further insight into how Cargill and CARE have worked together. But for now, Yunus Uduru from CARE and Samuel Apana from Cargill, thank you very much indeed. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you so much. And my thanks to Yunus and Samuel for their time. That's all for this week. Don't forget to go to the Innovation Forum website for all the usual analysis and podcasts and to take advantage of the launch discounts for the Future of Plastics and Sustainable Landscapes conferences in the autumn. But that's it for now. I've been Welsh. Until next week, goodbye.